In today's interview, Rachel Carlevelle of Ganjasana and I discuss how permaculture influences her Ganjasana yoga teacher training. We talk about her professor from the University of Massachusetts, Chris Kellum of Medicine Hunter fame. And we also discuss the changes within the cannabis industry as we move from a more private market to a public market and what opportunities there might be for people who want to work within the cannabis industry in different ways, similar to how Rachel has her own Ganjasana yoga practice. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about cannabis, ayahuasca, and plant medicine, and so much more. Thanks for listening to The Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. This is Jessica Baker with the Herb Walk podcast. Thank you for joining us for this next episode. I am here with Rachel Carlevelle of Ganjasana. She is a yoga teacher that started her company, Ganjasana, on 420 in 2016 in, here in Colorado. And she has also been studying permaculture since college in 2009, where she won a grant from the White House that I hope she'll tell us about. Thanks for being here, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me, Jessica. I'm so excited to be here and tell you all about cannabis yoga and talk plant spirit medicine. Perfect. Well, I know our listeners are really excited because cannabis is such a buzzword right now. So we'll probably have more people tune into this just because cannabis is the topic. So I'm really excited to share all of your love with plant medicine to our listeners because you've had a pretty exciting story. And if you don't mind, if you'll start off just giving us a little bit of your personal history with studying permaculture in college and working with cannabis. For sure. So I would, you know, first start off saying my relationship with plant medicine started as a young girl and just being out in nature and my first plant ally being the dandelion plant and understanding how to speak with plants and just see them for their great nature and their ability to really bring us balance and healing as humans. And so that sort of guided my schooling from there on out. So I was really always interested in herbalism and plant medicine and ethnobotany. And I started out college at UMass Amherst as a uh, pre-med major and there was a sustainable living track and wanted to look at plant and soil sciences in terms of their potential for medicinal uses and healing. And I found the shaman's pharmacy course, which was that uh, semester abroad in Peru, studying all the different plant medicines in South America and looking at the plant spirit side of medicine um, with et- ethnobotanist Chris Killam, who's uh, also known as the medicine hunter. So that course really was life-altering for me. In one way, I didn't pursue medical school after that because I saw the the rainforest and, you know, really looking at plants in that aspect as true medicine that I needed to explore further and be able to share with others. And then in terms of permaculture, that was a term I got to know in college as well, We had won a grant from the White House with our permaculture group there at UMass for Students First Sustainable Change. So at Franklin Dining Commons, we changed the whole lawn to an edible food forest so we could start to feed the dining commons and create this closed-loop system. And while I was there, it was just the first couple years. So when you're doing permaculture and farming and gardening, you don't really get to 
reap the benefits of your harvest until, you know, about year three or four. So I was there for a lot of the legwork and now it's just blossomed into a great community and thriving garden and different classes and majors have come out of that. So I'm really passionate about spreading that concept of permaculture, those three main ethics of earth care, people care, and fair share, and, you know, everything that we can do. I didn't realize that was their three concepts. Yeah. So it's like the three ethics are those concepts, and then there's 12 principles that come off of those main ethics. So permaculture is really a set of design principles, so you could apply it to your home, you know, or your garden, or own physical body structure and really looking at how you can design in a regenerative way. That's awesome because we've been farming for years in a regenerative way without even understanding these greater concepts and ethics. So it's nice to see that there's like a whole school of thought. And I know a lot of people who've gone through permaculture programs, but they've never actually explained it quite that maybe simply or well. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And that's the interesting thing about it is It's really just ancient farming practices and techniques that we've now been able to label. And, you know, permaculture stands for permanent agriculture. So it's really going back to ancient way of practicing gardening. And one of the main proponents and and teachers we have, Sepp Holgren, he's out in Germany. And when they first found his garden, he didn't even know what the word permaculture was, but it was the most classic example they could find on the planet. So he said, sure, you can call this a permaculture <laughs> garden. And um, so now he's one of the great teachers and I have all his books and things like that. So That's funny. It's yeah. like we have to have a name for something that's been just kind of in our DNA and in our innate nature. And now because we're so disconnected from nature, right? we have to be taught actually how to, you know, live in harmony with the rest of, you know, the entire planet, including our plant allies. I want to hear a little bit more about your shaman's pharmacy class in Peru. I know we spoke a little bit about it earlier, but did you actually go like deep into the rainforest and learn a lot of medicinal plants or was it really just working with ayahuasca? So it was working with a lot of medicinal plants and we were deep into the rainforest. A lot, I feel like, about working with these plants was the journey just to get there, to see them, to be with them in person, you know, in the flesh. And so it's trains, planes, and automobiles and boat rides down the Amazon River. We went up the Rio Napo, which is a tributary off the Amazon um, north of Iquitos. And so that's sort of been the landing spot that I continue to go and return back to with that specific um, group of people in the Shipibo tribe. So we worked at a specific learning educational center called Explora Rama um, when I was in school at the Shaman's Pharmacy. And so there was a very scientific approach, university-sponsored trip, and one where we looked at the plant spirit aspect of the medicine as well. But Uh, We didn't partake in the ayahuasca ceremony at that time, but it was nice to really see, you know, how the curanderas or curanderos, the different shamans, take their time to brew the medicine and they wild harvest. And they were actually practicing permaculture um, themselves. There's been a lot of research that recently came out that most of the plants in the Amazon were farmed there and put there thousands of years ago through different permaculture techniques from our ancestors. So, you know, 
especially now that ayahuasca is becoming so popular, it's important that we don't abuse the plant and we continue to regenerate the vine and, you know, all the assisting plant allies that we work with, like chacaruna or, you know, my first diet was on bobensana, which is, you know, that beautiful pink flower that grows by the river. So there's so many plants that are so dear to look at in nature's apothecary when we look at our healing. And I, you know, I know people who have gone into ayahuasca ceremony and not drank, but just sat there and just really absorbed the energy of being in that space. And that can be healing as well. I mean, you know, a lot of plants have that aromatherapy, aromatic quality. So it was a great experience and it was so life-changing, especially when I was in an academic setting and had taken the MCATs and was ready to go to med school. And then to recognize your purpose on this planet and sort of have this paradigm shift of understanding, you know, what health is, what balance is, you know, to me, health became achieving balance and harmony with the patterns and cycles of the earth, you know, with the own cycles in our body. And so when you look at medical school, they don't have a nutrition class. They don't really look at plants in that way. It's And it's run by pharmaceutical companies that have an agenda. And I saw that even as an undergrad. So I decided to make some life choices and, and took that plant medicine path. Here I am. <laughs> and we are glad you are here. Um, that's for sure. Well, that's so great. I had no idea that UMass had such an amazing class like Shaman's Pharmacy. Do they still offer something like that or do you know? I'm not sure that they still have that Shaman's Pharmacy course um, with Chris. I don't believe he's still teaching at the university, but he's doing a lot of private events and different conferences that he speaks at. He actually has a TV show coming out now. But I do know UMass has a strong agricultural program. They actually started as the Stockbridge School of Agriculture, like one of the first colleges about farming. So they have a a very strong permaculture program happening there now, too. It seems like more universities are offering classes like that are actually going to propel people's life forward in a positive way. Right. I went to college quite a long time ago and it was it wasn't until I got my degree in Chinese medicine that I realized that degrees can actually be helpful and not just something that you have because you're expected to go to college. So it's really nice to see. UMass offering things that could change your life in such a profound way. Yeah, especially for a state school to really be able to dive into a concept like that was a special experience. And UMass has a history of activism with like Cannabis Action Network and with students for sensible drug policy. Were you involved in any of that while you were there or were you more just on the agricultural tip? Yeah, I was actually in the Radical Student Union. I was very active in the anti-war protests and protesting against oil and and environmental activism. In terms of cannabis, one of the other professors I worked with, Dr. Lyle Craker, was trying to do a research project with him. And at the time, it was legal to research cannabis in the lab, but it was illegal to obtain the seeds. Um, I think those laws have since now changed and a lot of research is being done, but at the time that wasn't allowed. So then I found that shaman's pharmacy course and headed to Peru to study ayahuasca, (laughs) where that was legal. 
So legal, but you in that program just to keep yeah. UMass safe and out of trouble. You, I'm trying to you, think. You didn't actually take ayahuasca on that trip, though, because Correct. it was a Correct. university trip. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> but we did have, and I, I think they still have it in Amherst, Massachusetts, extravaganza. So every 420, <laughs> they would celebrate cannabis and do a lot of activism around that day. And then Ganjasana, the business I have now, we work to support Normal, the national organization to reform marijuana laws. So we've done a lot of events here in Denver and Boulder to fundraise for different bills that the organization was trying to help support. Uh, I think the most recent one they're trying to pass is to prevent cannabis drug testing at jobs so people can be able to use that medicine without the fear of losing their job. So that's one of the laws that we've been helping to try pass locally here. Well, I definitely appreciate all your efforts to help with cannabis activism. We're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, I want to hear more about what inspired you to start Ganjasana and also a little bit more about your love for the holy weed. <laughs> so we'll be back with the Herb Walk podcast with Jessica Baker and my guest, Rachel Carlevelle. And we're back with the Herb Walk podcast with Jessica Baker and my guest, Rachel Carlevelle of Ganjasana. And we are just about to start talking about how you started the business in 2016 on a very auspicious date of 420 that I think by now pretty much everybody knows is a reference to cannabis. But what was your inspiration? And obviously it was your love of yoga and ganja, but kind of give us a background on when you started teaching yoga, if it, you just started teaching yoga combined with cannabis, or if this was something that was just an evolution in your yoga practice. So interestingly enough, I found the cannabis plant first before I found the yoga practice. The plant led me to yoga, and that was about the age of 15. And so for a large portion of my life, I've had this intimate relationship with the plant, um, and it wasn't until I had studied with the Shipibo tribe that I really understood the spirit of the plant medicine and how to communicate with the plants and how to respect the plants. And it was also through the roots of my own healing. Um, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer. And so I had called my professor from school and then his wife, Zoe Helena, who has the Cosmic Sister Company offered a grant, the the first plant spirit medicine grant to study this ayahuasca psychedelic therapy and research how we could use it to heal the body on not just a physical level, but a spiritual and emotional level too. And moved back a little bit in 2010 um, was when I officially got certified um, in Hatha Yoga. So my relationship with cannabis really began when I was about 15 years old and started using the plant and working with it in all sorts of ways for health and healing. Um, but I didn't really understand how to use it for communication or to how to respect the plant until I was working with the Shipibo tribe and the ayahuasca plant really opened that space up for me to understand the plant spirit world in a way that I could redefine my relationship with cannabis and 
understand how to respect her. So the first yoga class that I ever took, um, I was actually high on cannabis. um, And I think I was also 15, you know, a couple months later, you know, the herb is what brought me to the practice of yoga. So naturally that stayed with me throughout my life as I found it to be a useful tool. It was when I was in my first ayahuasca ceremony that I found myself what we might call stuck in the bucket. Uh, We were speaking about earlier how there's a lot of purging involved in some plant medicine work and just the physical body being hunched over and my fists being clenched and purging away. I had remembered my yoga practice and I remembered how to breathe and take a deep breath. And I opened my hands into this lotus mudra and was able to sit up and just started doing yoga on my mat. And it all sort of clicked for me that these practices are one. They go hand in hand together. And you can't really work with plant medicine without working with yoga, with the, the body and the mind and the spirit and your breath and your being. And so this intrinsic connection kind of fused for me in that ceremony. And um, I was able to heal my body. I shrunk that tumor. I've since had a continuous healing journey from there. But in terms of how Ganjasana really started was from the roots of those practices and having such a long relationship with cannabis that evolved from maybe even abusing her as a young teen um, or using her to cope with different things in my life to understanding how to use her as a medicine and understanding that uh, you can't, there's that potential to abuse or misuse any plant on this planet and how can we really respect them and, you know, teach others to find this connection with the plants as well. And then I think, you know, once we're there, they say, once you quiet the mind enough then you can really begin to listen, uh, the, the plants will sh- sort of guide you back to you. And that's, that's how we heal. And that's how we bring peace to our self and peace to the planet, I believe. So, yes, I absolutely believe that too. And I love it that it was ayahuasca that brought you deeper with cannabis because so many people have this, I think a misconception and a misunderstanding saying that like ayahuasca and cannabis don't get along and ayahuasca is jealous. I'm like, well, plants don't get jealous of one another. First I've of heard all. that too. Yeah. Um, so I love it that it was ayahuasca that deepened you with your cannabis instead of, you know, cause so many people just kind of separate those. I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just, I, I am very happy to hear that ayahuasca did not turn you off from cannabis, which is what so many people say. And that wasn't my experience either. I think, yeah, it just shows you a deeper respect for all plants and where you are abusing something as opposed to honoring it and using it for true healing, as opposed to like, you know, almost like a deadening of sensory, you know, um, emotions. Right. Exactly. You can tune out or you can tune in and, but you still have to do the work and we still have to make the choice. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. And we're definitely, the plant is going to help us get there, but it is not going to give us all the answers. You know, it's going to open the door. That's for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your Cosmic Sister grant, because you mentioned earlier, Chris Killam, the medicine hunter, was your mm-hmm. teacher at UMass. But later you did end up getting a grant from them. Right. So or from his Z- wife. Um, Zoe Helena started Cosmic Sister, which is an organization that supports women, wilderness and wildlife. 
And so they provide grants in all different sectors now, everything from plant spirit medicine grants to women of the psychedelic renaissance. And then there's Cosmic Sisters of Cannabis. And these grants support women of all different walks of life to be able to explore plant medicine, but also to maintain our position as, as the original wisdom keepers of this plant medicine and to support the women that, you know, live in these different villages or the different tribes that we work with so that they can continue to do what they do and continue to hold the wisdom teachings of the plants. So the grant I first got was called the Plant Spirit Medicine Grant. And so that was to go to Peru and work with the Shipibo tribe with Estela Pagosa, um, who now has her own retreat center just for women. Within the Cosmic Sister Circle is really special experience to just be surrounded by women, by your sisters on this planet and have a female leading you in ceremony and singing to you and to be able to build those deep connections in such a safe, vulnerable space was very much appreciated. Um, I've sat in other ceremonies with, you know, all sorts of people or 50% male, 50% female. And it's just different. You know, it's not that one is so much better than the other, but we can find a deep appreciation and just spending time with your sisters and exploring the medicine and from that feminine quality. And I think that's also really important because I know a lot of women who've gone to Peru and other places. I mean, we could say the same for here in the United States and didn't really have um, they didn't feel safe in their experience because there can be predators. Even if you're at a natural healing retreat center in the middle of the jungle, there could be somebody there that's not making you feel comfortable. So it's great that to know that there's like an all women retreat center. So if a woman doesn't want to go and be around men, that there's a place that they're able to do that. Yeah, it's called Madre Divina. And I mean, there are absolutely predators out there. There are people on the planet that want to do good and work with the lightness. And there's people who work in the darkness. And I think it's something we need to talk about and beware of. And um, Chris also has a book called The Ayahuasca Test Pilots. And so I always recommend that for people if you know, you're traveling alone or you're going to the jungle for your first time. You want to be weary about the set and setting and understanding who you're drinking with and who made the medicine and where did it come from. And, you know, just like with your cannabis medicine, you want to know the farmer and where it came from and what chemicals were or were not present in the growing process or the extraction process. And the same with, with ayahuasca, with any plant spirit and whatever you believe, you know, people can put their intentions into that medicine when they make it. And that might be what you receive in ceremony. So always be weary and trustworthy of who you're going to sit with. No, it's very, very true. I love everyone at Refugio Altiplano. And so I always have to give them big props because, um, you know, not only their longevity, but just you walk in there and you realize everyone is there and loves where they are. You know, they're all from the village next door. This is like their livelihood. They just, they get to hang out on this beautiful piece of land all day, but they really do. They're there to make you safe. They're there for your personal development. You know, they know you're coming to heal and they do everything in their power to, to make that process as easy as possible. Cause we know it's not always easy. That's for sure. So do you have any advice for those who may be thinking about going to the jungle, either alone or with friends or family? Is there anything you have 
to say to them either about expectations or just what would you have liked to have known before you went, before you just got totally blown away? <laughs> I would say to have a great sense of humor. Having a sense of humor and just being able to throw your head back and laugh at it all, it's really important. And, you know, aside from that, having some type of mantra or guide of why why do you want to work with this plant medicine or what is calling you to it and letting that help guide your journey and in your time you sit with the medicine because even when you're not there the it stays with you and it continues to work with you forever so a big thing I learned is to just be able to laugh <laughs> and not take life too seriously you know it's a lot because it's a lot to to go through and there's the reintegration process is huge too when you go back to your home or to your society and maybe some people in your family you might not be able to relate to anymore just your perspective of the world is completely changed and that changed your perspective of yourself so it can be a lot to to feel and comprehend so being able to have a sense of humor is integral <laughs> Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. That goes for all things in life. I think mm-hmm. we need to just work on our sense of humor and not take things so seriously. Right? Because nobody really knows. We just, we're really good at thinking we know. And then, you know, somebody or something out there is just looking at us like, you guys are clueless. But I love it how you're so arrogant about thinking you know. Right. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break here at the Blog Podcast. And when we come back with Rachel Carlevelle, I want to hear a little bit more about what goes on in your Gunjasana training. And also kind of, I've been to one of your classes, but only at the Red Earth Herbal Gathering. So I don't know if that's the way you actually host mm-hmm. um, one of your yoga classes, but I'd like to, for you to tell the listeners a little bit about kind of how the flow of your class goes. Because some of us are like, are we smoking weed in class? Are we just like inhaling flowers? What are we doing? So when we get back, let's talk a little bit about your class and then some of your other offering. And we're back with the Herb Walk podcast with Jessica Baker and our guest, Rachel Carlevelle. So happy you're here. These are like my favorite conversations. This is pretty much what I want to talk about all the time, which is like cannabis and ayahuasca. Likewise. <laughs> well, and all <laughs> and the you're other such plants. an enjoyable person to speak about that with. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was, it's nice to, um, you know, this is a very male-dominated field here in the cannabis world, uh, even before it became this legal industry, even in the private market. Cannabis was very male dominated. So I do love this new blend of women and yoga and cannabis and different businesses um, that were actually being able to step up and almost admit that we even love cannabis because for so long, I mean, I've always admitted it, but for so long, especially for a woman to admit they like getting high, it was almost worse than a man saying it. Like we got judged even more for it. So thank you for your courage to like come out on such a huge scale of just saying, I love cannabis and here I am. And, you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I will say to that point that it it was a big step for me being from Massachusetts where it was highly illegal, been arrested twice for the plant. And it's scary. You're at the front lines of this 
war on drugs and you know I've always been in this industry before it was an industry and so no matter what happens with the legality of the plants they're going to be here on this planet and we have an endocannabinoid system and so it's a disservice to humans to not be able to work with the plant medicine so it's really a lot and I applaud everybody you know we're really standing on the shoulders of giants here and everyone that came before us of working for the plant and keeping her in our hands and passing it down and the elders who came before us so I appreciate everyone out there (laughs) I do too. It's really exciting to see, even though the industry, you can't see my quotation marks, listeners, but even though the industry has, um, it's almost made it not as cool as it used to be. I really hate to say that out loud, but it's just not. It's all these like corporate people coming in, making it into these, you know, corporate models. And we're really used to pretty much the exact opposite of that. I've had some resistance and also just like want to, you know, open-heartedly embrace all the good that it's doing and not, you know, how sometimes we pine for the good old days, even though they weren't the good old days. Everyone was just scared all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, it's good that we can have these conversations and bring that to light about staying connected with the plant. Because I do think as these businesses start to grow and thrive and we see investors coming into the market who are just looking at dollar signs and as we call it uh, profits over patients. We really want the patients to be first and foremost over looking at profits here. So as the old school farmers, I have mad respect for them too, of supplying the medicine to the people and just making sure we can still keep those family farms around. And they don't get regulated out. That is absolutely true. So on a positive note on what (laughs) legal cannabis has allowed you to do with your business, Ganjasana, Let's hear a little bit about what a a Ganjasana class would be like. So the ceremonies are about three hours long, and they start off with a little bit of education and mindfulness around the soil food web. So all of the plants are powered by the soil food web. It's the web in which provides the micronutrients that makes these plants grow and thrive. And when we look at yoga, one of the things we have are called marma points in our hands and now we've proven through science that these different points when activated with the microorganisms in the soil literally do so many positive things for your health like release serotonin in the brain and increase your microbiome and your immunity so this ceremony literally starts off with getting your hands dirty and in the soil um, sometimes I'll bring my worms I'm a worm farmer too so I think it's important to feel the worms they have what's called a bile slime on them and that's part of what binds the soil particles together and it's what creates healthy soil that can retain water and create a healthy food web. They're part of the food web too. So I'll have the participants hold the worms and the soil in their hands and do a mindfulness meditation to start us off. So right away you're getting thrown in the fire of connecting with the plant medicine. And it's about an hour of working with the plant before we consume. So I'll bring the plant in um, depending on what stage of growth or harvest I might be in, I'll bring in some fresh fan leaves that will do 
mindfulness gazing or we'll eat them and consume them in different ways and have an intention setting ceremony where we actually talk to the plant. Uh, And the Shipibo lineage that I've been trained in, we see plants as these sentient beings that we can communicate and speak to each other. And so it might seem silly or arbitrary at first, but just even voicing your words, the vibration, if you think about the sound traveling into the cellular structure of the plant, even you can really begin to work with each other. So I have them then speak with the plant and whisper their mantra or their sankalpa, their intention of working with this plant medicine Uh, And then we'll go into a conscious consumption. So I always provide uh, regeneratively grown cannabis that's grown in living organic soil. And then I'll have one specific genetic cultivar that that ceremony will be based off of. So I ask people to show up sober um, and then I supply all of the herbs so that everyone can be on that same plane of of the spirit world um, that we're, we're working individually, but we're also working collectively. And we'll use different um, instruments or I have a Native American drum that I play and singing bowl, different plant songs that we might sing um, or recordings that I have that go with the yoga portion of that mindful movement. So it's a very yin based yoga class that is really a tool to connect us with that plant spirit medicine. Oh, that's beautiful. And I noticed you're, that you were doing other classes. I noticed you had like a rose class. And so are you now branching out and doing other herbs or, and, or is cannabis always infused with those other herbal classes as well? So yes, in both. Um, <laughs> I started, you know, not everyone can and should work with cannabis. It's a master plant and it's can be very psychoactive and, Some people might have an aversion to it or could even be allergic to it. And so it's important that we see cannabis as just another plant in Mother Nature's apothecary. And so when we look at plants in this mindset of the plant spirit medicine, you can you can work with any plant. So I started incorporating different plants in. We had a Wednesday morning class at Earth Yoga Boulder in downtown Boulder. And so each morning we would feature a different plant and see how we could work with that in our yoga practice. So, um, for example, we did a whole chakra series where the root chakra was ginger because you know ginger is a root and it grows under the ground. And so 101 of Ayurvedic medicine is if you want to feel grounded, eat plants from under the ground like carrots and potatoes and different root vegetables and that's how you can physically feel rooted and so just bring bringing in these concepts to our yoga practice I think are really important um, and then doing different breathing techniques pranayama or asanas the poses to support that root sense of medicine so each uh, week we did a different plant yeah we did rose and all sorts of different plants and herbs and spices and then we have a teacher training coming up I offer a 100-hour continuing education certification course uh, for yoga teachers. So if you're 200-hour, this would be a 100-hour continuing credits. And anyone's welcome to join, though, over the age of 21. I've had some people come and just want to deepen their learning of cannabis and farming and permaculture. And then some people who are there to bring on this tradition and lead it as their own and are leading ganja yoga classes and are doing beautiful things all over the world. So it's really just a way to help create a ripple effect of how we can 
spread this knowledge about plant spirit medicine. And in a really unique way, because you're really blend, blending the philosophies of yoga, permaculture, and plant spirit medicine all in one, which I, to my knowledge, I don't know anybody else who's really doing that combination. Yeah, well, I feel like when you're working with a plant, it's important you're touching the plant and understanding its stages of growth and life. Um, for example, in an ayahuasca ceremony, it will be the shaman that goes out and harvests the vine and cooks the brew and finds the chakaruna leaves and speaks to them and, you know, puts their intention into the medicine making that they then serve. So what I want to pass on to other ganja yoga teachers out there or people who might be thinking about cannabis and wellness practice is that you know, whether or not you're going to be a farmer, it's important to still have some type of connection or tie to a farmer where you can understand this plant on such a deep level. So the training does start out with everything from how to build your own soil to talking about compost teas and vermicomposting and really getting our hands dirty for that activation to plant cultivation and propagation and harvesting and medicine making. We look at how to hold ceremony space and how to create the set and setting and how everything from, you know, the smells in the room to the type of clothes that you wear, create an energy in that space. And, you know, the altar that you present for the people that you're coming to help guide and lead. And ultimately, we want to honor the plant and see this the plant as the teacher. And I think it's Terrence McKenna who said, avoid gurus and follow plants. <laughs> I, I love that quote because it's so true, um, especially along my yoga journey as a, a student and a teacher forever, just being humble and that we're all human and that these plants have, have been on planet earth for thousands of years before us humans. And so they have so much to teach us. And really these practices are just to help us bring us back to our roots and to our ancient ways. And I mean, cannabis and, and yoga is an ancient practice. And I believe it was the ganja plant that gave us the school of yoga, just in our ancestors working with different plants. And there's different scientists and, and doctors and theologists out there who have researched this and say that, you know, perhaps cannabis was brought from another planet. The seeds um, it might be referred to as Amrita or also mushrooms have been shown to not have any genetic relation to planet Earth. So really looking, you know, about something beyond ourselves and seeing how we're really part of this greater good. And like I said before, just being able to sort of laugh at it all as well as take it all in and accept it. Absolutely. And we've like <laughs> demonized this plant that, yeah, so many ethnobotanists and botanists and, you know, historians. Yeah, everybody, not everybody, but so many people have even potentially, you know, at least in theory, tied, you know, the birth of our agricultural society with growing cannabis. So it was like growing cannabis as being one of our very first agricultural crops, which allowed us to, you know, stop hunting and gathering and actually stay in one location and grow larger cities. And yet we act like it's ruining society. And it's like, well, they actually say this is what started our, what we would consider our modern lifestyle of society of, you know, not being so mobile. So it's, uh, 
you know, we know how amazing it is. And I really hope that with legalization continuing, because obviously we're not stopping at this point, it's pretty much impossible that we will remember our roots with cannabis and all plants. And it's like, let's just remember how we're supposed to live. You mentioned it earlier. I don't know if we were talking online or not or on microphone, but about this, uh, you know, the natural process of what's going on in the universe is happening with inside us and how we're a, nat- we're a reflection of our internal and external environment. So let's remember that we have to be in harmony with all of the cosmos for us to be healthy and happy and free. You know, whatever yeah. that word free means for you, you know, <laughs> every single day. And that's why we call it a practice because it's a big key to life within that mystery. Just being able to find that that balance and that harmony in everything we do. Yep, that's very true. I'm just going to take one more quick break. And then I would like to ask your advice or opportunities for other herbalists or people who are thinking about getting into either yoga, the cannabis world, permaculture, or anything that has to do with an earth-based nature. So we'll be back with our blog podcast. And I am Jessica Baker. And we're back with the Herbalk Podcast. I'm Jessica Baker, and I'm sitting here talking to Rachel Carlevel of Ganjasana. Um, in our last few minutes, um, well, first of all, are there any other conferences that you're going to be teaching at this year that where people can find you? Yes, I'm going to be teaching at the Red Earth Herbal Gathering. We'll be teaching a couple Ganjasana cannabis yoga classes there with some local CBD. And we have our two upcoming teacher trainings, one in Lyons, Colorado, this August, and then in, we'll be out in Vermont at the end of August. So for those of you on the East Coast who want to join. Okay, great. So you have an opportunity to train with you here in Colorado or in Vermont, and those are week-long trainings? Uh, they're 100 hours, so they're four days, and then there's some follow-up uh, continuing education. Okay, perfect. Yep. And you don't have to be a yoga teacher. Correct. And everyone over the age of 21 is invited to come. Obviously, over the age of 21, since that's the legal smoking age or consumption age, unless you have a medical (laughs) recommendation from your doctor. So any advice that you have for anybody who, um, you know, a lot of herbalists listen to the show. So they're always curious, how can I work with herbs? And, you know, the, the, the almost hated word of have a career. Because so many of us love to work with plants and then we're lost. We're like, well, I want to, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. This is my love. I want to make a living from this. So do you have any advice for people who either want to get into the cannabis world or yoga? How can they um, make, you know, any advice that where this could maybe be easier for them where you found some challenges? First, I think, you know, if you look at herbalism or any type of industry, cannabis industry, it's important to step back and see the holistic picture. Someone told me the gold rush, for example, when everyone was coming out West, the ones that had made the most money were the people who made the tools, who made the pickaxes, uh, and not the people who were panning for gold. So really just if finances are your goal, which it should be everyone's because it's all about a balance. We have to live, we have to survive. And this is a question I've worked 
a lot on with myself personally and, and with the plant medicine and in the ceremony space about how to not just be sustainable, not just sustain yourself, but to really thrive and create something that you feel passionate and proud about and seeing all the different ancillary businesses and ways that you can generate an income and revenue from your passion and the work that you do. So, you know, for example, in the cannabis industry, we have everything from the farmers who touch the plants to horticulturists who, you know, build soil or warm farmers or soil scientists to people who don't touch the plant, maybe their digital marketing or brand ambassadors or working in design in the law firm, there's many different ways that we can stay connected to a plant and not just be your typical healer that you might have envisioned yourself. I know for myself, I first started off college as as the pre-med major, and so not going to med school was a big choice for me because with a medical degree, uh, you definitely can have a much larger income. But then you have to weigh out well, what is wealth? Because for me, I feel like I took the wealthier path in my life of working with these plants and these people rather than, I don't know where I would be if I took the other path, but no regrets. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say, you know, if anyone's interested in it, follow your passion, follow your heart and don't forget that you you do have to pay the bills. And if someone wants to offer you something, take it and when I first wanted to go to the Amazon, I didn't have any money and I was working three jobs and I wrote 72 letters requesting finances uh, to different companies and I got about nine letters back and I got my whole trip funded. And so in return, I did some presentations and uh, demonstrated the research. And so there's money on this planet. It's just how is it going to flow to you? You know, call it in and it, and it will come. Everything is abundant and happening effortlessly and easily for me. So if you if you believe that, then it can manifest. <laughs> Absolutely. And you weren't afraid to do the hard work. You wrote 72 letters asking for help. We mm-hmm. talked about that earlier, how important it is to actually ask for help because right. we can't do it alone, you know? And so I, I feel like a lot of us in the cannabis world and other or, you know, otherwise, we always feel like we're in it alone, but we're not. We have I mean, the entire universe is here to help us out if we just ask for help, you know, and do the hard work. Because I, I think you did the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, Rachel, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, um, whether it's social media, email, phone number, however you like to be contacted. Sure. So, our website is www.gonjasana.com, and that's G-A-N-J-A-S-A-N-A.com. And that's also our Instagram handle. You can find us on social media. We're always posting different tips and tricks in the garden and for your cannabis yoga practice and about our upcoming classes and retreats. Awesome. Well, I hope all of you take advantage of what Rachel has to offer because she is not only this bright light that you notice as soon as she's in your presence, but also super intelligent, super motivated, and here for uh, what I think we all should be here for, which is the greater good of the planet. So thank you so much for coming on the show and spending the afternoon with me, Rachel. Thank you, Jessica. It's been a real joy. Great. And uh, thank you, listeners. And we will be back next week with another wonderful podcast guest. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of The Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. I always appreciate any comments or suggestions that you may have. Feel free to drop me a line in the comment section below. Shoot me an email at jessicajdragonacupuncture.com or feel free to like or follow me. My Facebook page is Jessica Baker LAC and my Instagram account is Baker underscore Botanica. My website is www.bakerbotanica.com. Come on over to the website and, you know, check out the essential oils I have for sale. Check out my book, Plant Songs, Reflections on Herbal Medicine. And as always, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being a lover of plant medicine. Have a great day.